This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like when the tailgate party shows up at your house after the big win. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this could sideline your savings. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card. And we here on Savor are what you might call food explorers. It has been our actual job to go to cool places and eat like a lot of the food there. And then talk about it. And then talk about it into these microphones, which is a crazy dream job. Yes. Well, if you're like us and willing to travel to seek out new foods to try, you go with the Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card. It's for people like us who are in search of the next food adventure. If you travel, you know. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hello and welcome to Food Stuff. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And this is a very special episode of Food Stuff. Aren't, aren't all episodes of Food Stuff special? Aw, you're like my mom. <laughs> no, it is though, because uh, because today we're we're gonna we're gonna tell you a story. We're gonna read you a story dramatically. I mean, we always do that. We do. Uh, <laughs> this, uh, <laughs> we're off to a bad start. <laughs> no, we're okay. So we had this idea to do kind of a mini series or a recurring segment. Sure. But we wanted to tell some. Um, Food stuff fairy tales. We wanted to read them in a hopefully enjoyable, semi-dramatic fashion, and then discuss. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because w- one of the really pervasive elements of fairy tales and fantasy stories is food. Um, you know, from like the those lavish descriptions of feasts in like George R. R. Martin's uh, Song of Ice and Fire to specific foods that are used symbolically in fables, um, like like Aesop's hypothetically sour grapes. Yeah, um, to the to the hunger that's often portrayed in fairy tales, like in uh, Hansel and Gretel. So we wanted to discuss that a bit, and yeah, also do for you a dramatic reading of one such tale. Mm-hmm. We are going to come back and do more if you guys dig it, and I think that you will. I hope that you will. But just today, we're we're not. There are so many fairy tales that involve people, usually women or children, getting eaten, chopped up, eaten and cooked. Yeah, there's a lot of those. Yeah, yeah. We're going to save those for like a Halloween yeah. situation. We think. Yeah, I think yeah. so. So yeah, cannibalism separate issue. Mm-hmm. And yes, we've heard all of your requests for an episode about cannibalism. We have. <laughs> 
<laughs> for people that are like, what? We have a surprising number of requests <laughs> for an episode about cannibalism. <laughs> so noted. And I, like, just thinking about this, I realized how many things I wouldn't even necessarily think of right away, like Snow White as the poisonous apple, where you've got Alice in Wonderland with all kinds of things happening there. Oh, yeah. And like, like, holy heck, will I ever get in on reading some Alice's Adventures in Wonderland and or Through the Looking Glass? Because, like, that is, A, just terrific, and B, in the public domain. Yes. That's, okay, so that is one thing that we are <laughs> limited by. Has to be in the public domain, then translation has to be in the public domain. Yes. And actually, our first reading selection is by an author who was later influenced by uh, Lewis Carroll and Alice's Adventures. Yes, to kick off this new periodic foodstuff series, we wanted to read for you and talk about the poem Goblin Market by Christina Georgina Rossetti. Mm-hmm. It's a 3,000-odd word poem composed around 1861 and published by Macmillan in 1862 in Rossetti's first commercially published book of poetry. Uh, Rossetti is considered one of the premier woman poets of her time, like right behind Elizabeth Barrett Browning. She's said to have been like a very proprietous, particular, and religious woman. Um, though as a child, she had a reputation for having a really stormy temper. She was affiliated with an Anglo-Catholic church in England and volunteered extensively for the St. Mary Magdalene Penitentiary, an uh, organization that worked with fallen women. Ooh. Yeah. That might be a recurring theme in what we're about to read. Indeed. She later refused to get on board with women's suffrage, saying that she believed that, quote, the highest functions are not in this world open to both sexes. But... She also said that, like, really, if the movement wanted to get in and change things, they'd have to go ahead and get female representatives in parliament. So interesting perspective there. Like, don't give us the vote. Just get us straight into parliament. Yeah. Huh. Um, she was critical of slavery and imperialism and petitioned to raise the age of consent. She never married but did remain close to her family and particularly her artist and writer brother, Dante Gabriel, who supported her financially and professionally. She dealt with various bouts of severe illness all her life and uh, depression that historians can't really agree on whether was the result or at times the cause of those illnesses. She was writing in a time that the pre-Raphaelite artistic movement was really flourishing, but she didn't overly associate herself with it. But her work does bear a lot of the same influences and hallmarks of it, like all of this sort of Medieval mythology uh, reimagined through these very Victorian sensibilities about like good and evil, uh, purity, sin, what gender is, love, sex, you know, the pursuit of earthly pleasures. Mm -hmm. And we, we picked Goblin Market for our first reading because it's about food and temptation and indulgence. And it's just real weird and real pretty. Yeah. Um, we recruited uh, Robert Lamb and Joe McCormick, our colleagues over at Stuff to Blow Your Mind. Yes. To help us read this. And there was definitely moments when we were reading it and we were all looking at each other like, whoa. <laughs> I think I started blushing a few times. I was <laughs> like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> um, the poem was actually rejected, like, soundly by the first art critic who read it, one John Ruskin. He, he praised its beauty and power but said that it was unpublishably full of quaintness and offenses. Ooh. He also criticized the irregular meter that, that is now basically celebrated for and said, she should exercise herself in the severest commonplace of meter until she can write as the public like. 
The severest commonplace. Yeah. Oof. That's a burn right there. It super is. Mm-hmm. Also, thanks to listener Caroline for recommending. She sent this to us forever ago. Yeah. Ah, uh, it's it's great. And um, yeah, Joe Joe McCormick and Robert Lamb are great. And I guess we're gonna take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. And then when we get back, we're going to get into it. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric. Cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change, and certain restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card. And we are what you might call food explorers. We are so lucky that a part of our job involves traveling and trying a lot of the food where we go to travel and then coming back here and telling all of you good listeners about it. And through that, we have discovered some amazing dishes. Sure, yes. Like, I had never understood what poke really could be, and it is delightful. It is stunningly good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which we had a lot of on our trip to Hawaii. Uh, another thing from their passion fruit, I now look for in literally every menu that I read. I'm like, yep, that one has passion fruit. Going for it. And then all of the moles, and especially the green mole that you heard us talk about recently that we had from in Las Vegas. In Vegas, yeah. Oh, or just steak basements. Who doesn't love a steak basement? Exactly. <laughs> well, um, if you are like us and you're willing to travel to seek out new foods to try, you go with the Delta Sky Miles Platinum American Express card. It's for people who, like us, are in search of the next food adventure. If you travel, you know. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. And without further ado, we present to you Goblin Market by Christina Rossetti. 
Morning and evening, maids heard the goblins cry. Come buy our orchard fruits. Come buy, come buy. Apples and quinces, lemons and oranges, plump unpecked cherries, melons and raspberries, bloom-down-cheeked peaches, swart-headed mulberries, wild freeborn cranberries, crab apples, dewberries, pineapples, blackberries, apricot strawberries, all ripe together in summer weather, morns that pass by, fair eaves that fly, come by, come by. Our grapes fresh from the vine, pomegranates full and fine, dates and sharp bullaces, rare pears and green gauges, damsons and bilberries, taste them and try, currants and gooseberries, bright fire-like barberries, figs to fill your mouth, citrons from the south, sweet to tongue and sound to eye, come by, come by. Evening by evening, among the brookside rushes, Laura bowed her head to hear, Lizzie veiled her blushes. Crouching close together in the cooling weather, with clasping arms and cautioning lips, with tingling cheeks and fingertips. Lie close, Laura said, pricking up her golden head. We must not look at goblin men, we must not buy their fruits. Who knows upon what soil they fed, their hungry, thirsty roots. Come by, called the goblins, hobbling down the glen. Oh, cried Lizzie. Laura, Laura, you should not peep at the goblin men. Lizzie covered up her eyes, covered close lest they should look. Laura reared her glossy head and whispered like the restless brook. Look, Lizzie, look, Lizzie, down the glen tramp little men. One hauls a basket, one bears a plate. One lugs a golden dish of many pounds weight. How fair the vine must grow, whose grapes are so luscious. How warm the wind must blow through those fruit bushes. No, said Lizzie. No, no, no. Their offers should not charm us. Their evil gifts would harm us. She thrust a dimpled finger in each ear, shut eyes and ran. Curious Laura chose to linger, wondering at each merchant man. One had a cat's face. One whisked a tail. One tramped at a rat's pace. One crawled like a snail. One like a wombat prowled obtuse and furry. One like a radle tumbled hurry-scurry. She heard a voice like voice of doves cooing all together. They sounded kind and full of loves in the pleasant weather. Laura stretched her gleaming neck like a rush-embedded swan, like a lily from the beck, like a moonlit poplar branch, like a vessel at the launch when its last restraint is gone. Backwards up the mossy glen turned and trooped the goblin men with their shrill, repeated cry, Come by, come by. When they reached where Laura was, they stood stock still upon the moss, leering at each other, brother with queer brother, signaling each other, brother with sly brother. One set his basket down, one reared his plate, one began to weave a crown of tendrils, leaves, and rough nuts brown, Men sell not such in any town. One heaved the golden weight of dish and fruit to offer her. Come by, come by, was still their cry. Laura stared but did not stir, longed but had no money. The whisk-tailed merchant bade her taste in tones as smooth as honey. The cat-faced purred, the rat-faced spoke a word of welcome, and the snail-paced even was heard. One parrot-voiced and jolly cried, Pretty goblin. Still for Pretty Polly. 
one whistled like a bird. But sweet-tooth Laura spoke in haste. Good folk, I have no coin to take or to purloin. I have no copper in my purse, I have no silver either, and all my gold is on the furs that shakes in windy weather above the rusty heather. You have much gold upon your head, they answered all together. Buy from us with a golden curl. She clipped a precious golden lock. She dropped a tear more rare than pearl, then sucked their fruit globes fair or red, sweeter than honey from the rock, stronger than man-rejoicing wine, clearer than water flowed that juice. She never tasted such before. How should it cloy with length of use? She sucked and sucked and sucked the more, fruits which the unknown orchard bore. She sucked until her lips were sore, then flung the emptied rinds away, but gathered up one kernel stone, and knew not was it night or day, as she turned home alone. Lizzie met her at the gate, full of wise upbraidings. Dear, you should not stay so late. Twilight is not good for maidens. Should not loiter in the glen, in the haunts of goblin men. Do you not remember Jeanie, how she met them in the moonlight, took their gifts both choice and many, ate their fruits and wore their flowers, plucked from bowers where summer ripens at all hours? But ever in the noonlight she pined and pined away, sought them by night and day, found them no more but dwindled and grew gray, then fell with the first snow, while to this day no grass will grow, where she lies low. I planted daisies there a year ago, that never blow. You should not loiter so. Nay, hush, said Laura. Nay, hush, my sister. I ate and ate my fill, yet my mouth waters still. Tomorrow night I will buy more. And kissed her. Have done with sorrow. I'll bring you plums tomorrow, fresh on their mother twigs, cherries worth getting. You cannot think what figs my teeth have met in, what melons icy cold piled on a dish of gold too huge for me to hold, what peaches with a velvet nap, pellucid grapes without one seed. Odorous indeed must be the mead whereon they grow, and pure the wave they drink with lilies at the brink, and sugar sweet their sap. Golden head by golden head, like two pigeons in one nest, Folded in each other's wings, they lay down in their curtained bed, like two blossoms on one stem, like two flakes of new-fallen snow, like two wands of ivory tipped with gold for awful kings. Moon and stars gazed in at them, wind sang to them lullaby, lumbering owls forbore to fly. Not a bat flapped to and fro round their rest, cheek to cheek and breast to breast, locked together in one nest." Early in the morning, when the first cock crowed his warning, neat like bees, as sweet and busy, Laura rose with Lizzie, fetched in honey, milked the cows, aired and set to rights the house, kneaded cakes of whitest wheat, cakes for dainty mouths to eat. Next churned butter, whipped up cream, fed their poultry, sat and sewed, talked as modest maidens should, Lizzie with an open heart, Laura in an absent dream. One content, one sick in part, one warbling for the mere bright day's delight, one longing for the night. At length slow evening came, they went with pitchers to the reedy brook, Lizzie most placid in her look, Laura most like a leaping flame. They drew the gurgling water from its deep, Lizzie plucked purple and rich golden flags, then turning homeward said, The sunset flushes, those furthest loftiest crags. Come, Laura, not another maiden lags, 
No willful squirrel wags. The beast and birds are fast asleep. But Laura loitered still among the rushes, and said the bank was steep, and said the hour was early still, the dew not fallen, the wind not chill, listening ever but not catching the customary cry, Come by, come by, with its iterated jingle of sugar-baited words, not for all her watching once discerning even one goblin racing, whisking, tumbling, hobbling, let alone the herds that used to tramp along the glen in groups or single of brisk fruit-merchant men. Till Lizzie urged, Oh, Laura, come. I hear the fruit call, but I dare not look. You should not loiter longer at this brook. Come with me home. The stars rise, the moon bends her arc. Each glowworm winks her spark. Let us get home before the night grows dark. For clouds may gather, though this is summer weather. Put out the lights and drenches through. Then if we lost our way, what should we do? Laura turned cold as stone to find her sister heard that cry alone, that goblin cry. Come by our fruits, come by. Must she then buy no more such dainty fruit? Must she no more such succus pasture find, gone deaf and blind? Her tree of life drooped from the root. She said not one word in her heart's sore ache, but peering through the dimness, naught discerning, trudged home, her pitcher dripping all the way, so crept to bed and lay silent till Lizzie slept, then sat up in a passionate yearning and gnashed her teeth for balked desire and wept as if her heart would break. Day after day, night after night, Laura kept watch in vain, in sullen silence of exceeding pain. She never caught again the goblin cry, Come by, come by. She never spied the goblin men hawking their fruits along the glen. But when the noon waxed bright, her hair grew thin and gray. She dwindled as the fair full moon doth turn to swift decay and burn her fire away. One day, remembering her kernel stone, she set it by a wall that faced the south, dewed it with tears, hoped for a root, watched for a waxing shoot. But there came none, it never saw the sun, it never felt the trickling moisture run. While with sunk eyes and faded mouth, she dreamed of melons as a traveler sees false waves in desert drouth, with shade of leaf-crowned trees, and burns the thirstier in the sandful breeze. She no more swept the house, tended the fowls or cows, fetched honey, kneaded cakes of wheat, brought water from the brook, but sat down listless in the chimney nook and would not eat. Tinder Lizzie could not bear to watch her sister's cankerous care, yet not to share. She, night and morning, caught the goblin's cry. Come by our orchard fruits, come by, come by. Beside the brook, along the glen, she heard the tramp of the goblin men. The voice and stir, poor Laura could not hear. Longed to buy fruit to comfort her, but feared to pay too dear. She thought of Jeanie in her grave, who should have been a bride, but who for joys brides hoped to have fell sick and died in her gay prime in earliest winter time, with the first glazing rhyme, with the first snowfall of crisp winter time. Till Laura dwindling seemed knocking at death's door, then Lizzie weighed no more, better and worse, but put a silver penny in her purse kissed Laura, crossed the heath with clumps of firs, at twilight halted by the brook, and for the first time in her life began to listen and look. 
laughed every goblin when they spied her peeping, came towards her hobbling, flying, running, leaping, puffing and blowing, chuckling, clapping, crowing, clucking and gobbling, mopping and mowing, full of airs and graces, pulling wry faces, demure grimaces, cat-like and rat-like, rattle and wombat-like, snail-paced in a hurry, parrot-voiced and whistler, helter-skelter, hurry-scurry, chattering like magpies, fluttering like pigeons, gliding like fishes, hugged her and kissed her, squeezed her and caressed her, stretched up their dishes, panniers and plates. Look at our apples, russet and done. Bob at our cherries, bite at our peaches, citrons and dates, grapes for the asking, pears red with basking, out in the sun, plums on their twigs, pluck them and suck them, pomegranates, figs. Good folk, said Lizzie, mindful of Jeannie. Give me much and many. Held out her apron, tossed them her penny. Nay, take a seat with us, honor and eat with us. They answered, grinning. Our feast is but beginning. Night yet is early, warm and dew pearly, wakeful and starry. Such fruits as these no man can carry. Half their bloom would fly, half their dew would dry, half their flavor would pass by. Sit down and feast with us, be welcome guest with us, cheer you and rest with us. Thank you, said Lizzie. But one waits at home alone for me. So without further parlaying, if you will not sell me any of your fruits, though much and many, give me back my silver penny. I tossed you for a fee. They began to scratch their pates, no longer wagging, purring, but visibly demurring. Grunting and snarling, one called her proud, cross-grained, uncivil, their tones waxed loud, their looks were evil. Lashing their tails, they trod and hustled her, elbowed and jostled her, clawed with their nails, barking, mewing, hissing, mocking, tore her gown and soiled her stocking, twitched her hair out by the roots, stamped upon her tender feet, held her hands and squeezed their fruits against her mouth to make her eat. White and golden Lizzie stood like a lily in a flood, like a rock of blue-veined stone lashed by tides obstreperously, like a beacon left alone in a hoary, roaring sea, sending up a golden fire like a fruit-crowned orange tree, white with blossoms honey-sweet, sore beset by wasp and bee, like a royal virgin town topped with gilded dome and spire, close beleaguered by a fleet mad to tug her standard down. One may lead a horse to water, twenty cannot make him drink. Though the goblins cuffed and caught her, coaxed and fought her, bullied and besought her, scratched her, pinched her black as ink, kicked and knocked her, mauled and mocked her, Lizzie uttered not a word, would not open lip from lip, lest they should cram a mouthful in, but laughed in heart to feel the drip of juice that syruped all her face, and lodged in dimples of her chin, and streaked her neck which quaked like curd. At last the evil people, worn out by her resistance, flung back her penny, kicked their fruit along whichever road they took, not leaving root or stone or shoot. Some writhed into the ground, some dived into the brook, with ring and ripple, some scudded on the gale without a sound, some vanished in the distance. In a smart, ache, tingle, 
Lizzie went her way, knew not was it night or day, sprang up the bank, tore through the firs, threaded cops and dingle, and heard her penny jingle bouncing in her purse. Its bounce was music to her ear. She ran and ran, as if she feared some goblin man dogged her with jibe or curse or something worse. But not one goblin scurried after, nor was she pricked by fear. The kind heart made her windy paste that urged her home quite out of breath with haste and inward laughter. She cried, Laura, up the garden. Did you miss me? Come and kiss me. Never mind my bruises. Hug me, kiss me, suck my juices. Squeezed from goblin fruits for you. Goblin pulp and goblin dew. Eat me, drink me, love me. Laura, make much of me. For your sake I have braved the glen and had to do with goblin merchantmen. Laura started from her chair, flung her arms up in the air, clutched her hair. Lizzie, Lizzie, have you tasted for my sake the fruit forbidden? Must your light like mine be hidden? Your young life like mine be wasted, undone in mine undoing, and ruined in my ruin, thirsty, cankered, goblin-ridden. She clung about her sister, kissed and kissed and kissed her. Tears once again refreshed her shrunken eyes, dropping like rain after long, sultry drouth. Shaking with anguish, fear, and pain, she kissed and kissed her with a hungry mouth. Her lips began to scorch. That juice was wormwood to her tongue. She loathed the feast. Writhing as one possessed, she leaped and sung, rent all her robe, and wrung her hands in lamentable haste, and beat her breast. Her locks streamed like the torch borne by a racer at full speed, or like the mane of horses in their flight, or like an eagle when she stems the light straight toward the sun, or like a caged thing freed, or like a flying flag when armies run. Swift fire spread through her veins, knocked at her heart, met the fire smoldering there and overbore its lesser flame. She gorged on bitterness without a name. Ah, fool to choose such part of soul-consuming care. Since failed in the mortal strife, like the watchtower of a town which an earthquake shatters down, like a lightning-stricken mast, like a wind-uprooted tree spun about, like a foam-topped waterspout, cast down headlong in the sea, she fell at last. Pleasure past and anguish past. Is it death or is it life? Life out of death. That night, long Lizzie watched by her, counted her pulse's flagging stir, felt for her breath, held water to her lips and cooled her face with tears and fanning leaves. But when the first birds chirped about their eaves and early reapers plodded to the place of golden sheaves and dew-wet grass bowed in the morning winds so brisk to pass, and new buds with new day opened of cup-like lilies on the stream, Laura awoke as from a dream, laughed in the innocent old way, hugged Lizzie, but not twice or thrice. Her gleaming locks showed not one thread of gray. Her breath was sweet as May, and light danced in her eyes. Days, weeks, months, years afterwards, when both were wives with children of their own, their mother hearts beset with fears, their lives bound up in tender lives, Laura would call the little ones and tell them of her early prime, those pleasant days long gone of not returning time, would talk about the haunted glen, the wicked, quaint fruit merchantmen, their fruits like honey to the throat, but poison in the blood. 
men sell not such in any town, would tell them how her sister stood in deadly peril to do her good and win the fiery antidote, then joining hands to little hands would bid them cling together. For there is no friend like a sister in calm or stormy weather to cheer one on the tedious way, to fetch one if one goes astray, to lift one if one totters down, to strengthen whilst one stands. We hope you enjoyed yes. that reading, um, listeners, as much as we enjoyed doing it. Um, we do have some discussion. We we kind of sort of got to talking about this after we, I said I was going to say reenacted, but we did not do that. No, goodness. we just read it with voices. <laughs> That's what we did. <laughs> There's no reenacting involved. No goodness. Also, no. I guess this was a fantasy, so so you can't reenact something right. that never happened in the first place. Yes. Anyway, we had some thoughts. Yes. And we are going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor and then be right back with those. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change, and certain restrictions may apply. This episode is brought to you by Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card. And we are what you might call food explorers. We are so lucky that a part of our job involves traveling and trying a lot of the food where we go to travel and then coming back here and telling all of you good listeners about it. And through that, we have discovered some amazing dishes. Sure, yes. Like, I had never understood what poke really could be, and it is delightful. It is stunningly good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which we had a lot of on our trip to Hawaii. Uh, another thing from their passion fruit, I now look for in literally every menu that I read. I'm like, yep, that one has passion fruit. Going for it. And then all of the moles, and especially the green mole that you heard us talk about recently that we had from in Las Vegas. In Vegas, yeah. Oh, or just steak basements. Who doesn't love a steak basement? Exactly. <laughs> 
Well, um, if you are like us and you're willing to travel to seek out new foods to try, you go with the Delta SkyMiles Platinum American Express card. It's for people who, like us, are in search of the next food adventure. If you travel, you know. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Now, back to past. Annie, Lauren, Robert, and Joe. And our thoughts about the goblin market. Yeah. I get the feeling that the goblins represent men. Oh, yes. <laughs> I would yeah. agree. I think that may, might have something. I think, it, yeah. yeah. It's a very, it, it's. This seems to offer like a, like, you don't need to go down to the goblins. What about sisterly love? <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, what about your family love? Come on. Yeah. What about saving yourself and getting married? That's clearly the best thing to do. Don't eat that goblin fruit. Yeah. No matter how tempting it is. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they'll call to you at night. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think I've seen, it reminds me of a lot of horror movies where women will fall in love with a monster. I've always found that an interesting uh, trope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I have a question. Yeah? Is Lizzie supposed to be Jesus? See, uh-huh. that's a great question because I, uh, the, the author Christina Rossetti, uh, maintains that there was no Christian allegory in it, but it is like a physical self-sacrifice. Yeah, she like sacrifices her body, and she she comes back, and then she says like, "Eat of me, drink of me, and love me," or something. Like, make much of me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, like I even read that. I caught myself like doing it how I would a, a prayer that you would say in church over and over again like when I was a kid yeah. I like picked up that tone subconscious I didn't even think about it so it had that for me I was picking up on that yeah the uh, idea being that somebody has to fall to the goblins like somebody has to right. buy the goblin food because ultimately somebody has to support the goblin economy <laughs> Uh, oh, this yeah. Is the, this is the, the, the driving force. Yeah. But right. also, Lizzie is presented as a sinless sac- sacrifice. Like, right. she is morally pure. She doesn't have, like, the prurient interests mm-hmm. uh, that, that Laura does. Yeah. The first time that she falls down into sin, um, first of all, she remains pure. She doesn't actually eat on yeah. purpose any of the fruit. And second of all, she only does it in order to save her sister. Yeah. Yeah, sort of like uh, coming down and uh, into a sinful world. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much. Yeah. So so Rossetti says she didn't mean any of that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can actually believe. I can see it could be one of those things. So you live in Victorian culture. Maybe even if this is not you, you didn't mean it as an allegory for the New Testament or anything. Still, like you're steeped in Christian religious themes, and so like if you want to write a story that's just a story about self-sacrifice and love, your main reference point is the existing archetype of the the Christian story. Absolutely, and she was a very religious woman. Mm -hmm. Um, She was very active in her church. She uh, uh, a couple times turned down marriages because the Christian human dude in question wasn't the right type of Christian. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Like like can't can't truck with those Catholics. Oh, I see. Sort of thing. Yeah. Um, she had she had pinions. 
<laughs> She's a lady who had a lot of opinions. Yeah. Yes. Well, this is a poem I can detect opinions in between the lines in it. Um, but man, it is it's funny how so so would you say that the tone of this poem is moralistic? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, personally, I can't help but find like a strong more moralistic mm-hmm. bent in it. So, you know, that's interesting because I favor a, a very literal interpretation of the poem <laughs> that goblins were literally selling fruit to ladies uh-huh. in Victorian times. Well, you, you could. Well, yeah. I mean, of course they were, right? Yeah, of course. Also, it's interesting that you bring up the goblin economy because there has been some criticism about the poem that talks about um, the uh, – the way that Laura is made into herself part of that economy, like the, the mm-hmm. way that she pays for it with, is with a literal part of her oh, body. With the hair, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. yeah. And a tear. And a, oh, and teardrops. She pays yeah. for it with her body and with her suffering. Mm-hmm. Cool. Wait, did the goblins even ask for the tears? No, they didn't ask her for anything. They, they asked just... for the hair. The, that was only. Oh, at, did they ask yeah. for yeah, the yeah, hair? Yeah. Oh, okay. But yeah. that was after she said, well, I don't have any money. And they said, well, your, your hair is pretty golden. So They're like, poifect. <laughs> <laughs> Just what we wanted to hear. <laughs> see, we're in the wig business here, yeah. here at the Goblin Market. Well, see, the the upper class of Goblin society, they're more into changelings. That's where the real money is. Oh, you know? but, yeah, but somebody's yeah. got to sell the fruit. Yeah. If, if you don't have any babies on hand, yeah. then it's absolutely okay. Well, I mean, what I was going to say was I think it's funny if you consider this poem moralistic. I get moralistic vibes from it as well. It seems like it's mm-hmm. kind of like wagging a finger at, at – uh, I don't know, shameful, sinful curiosity. and Like, it, like and, indulgence. Yeah, like yeah. Te- telling you to be good. But at the same time, I feel like the poem is just kind of an orgy of words. It's like oh, a, yeah. like she really gets into the nasty parts. Like the sensuality. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the way, the way that those fruits are described is absolutely. <laughs> it's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I sort of realized after, after y'all agreed to do this, I was like, oh, man, I just asked my coworkers to do this. <laughs> this is potentially inappropriate. <laughs> I have to say, I really uh, so I, I really loved reading the Goblin lines because there's kind of a uh, I, I read a lot of Dr. Seuss these days, and so there's kind of like a Seussian element uh, to it. But then uh, so much of the narration, I feel like you could have dropped a beat behind it. Like it, it had oh, some yeah. really tight rhymes. <laughs> yeah. It really did. Squeeze uh, from goblin fruits for you, goblin juice and goblin dew. Yeah, I yeah. think that was one of the parts where I was like, I was thinking, you know, yeah, you need to drop something in there. Maybe they can do that in post. I don't know. Yeah. Oh man, yeah, Dil- Dylan, feel free to feel free to play around with it. <laughs> Turn it into a club hit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then I don't know, like like right up until because the both sisters get married at the end, but right up until then, um, it, it's the type of close physical relationship that I think is is rebranded these days as being sexual but at the time um among women and also among um some some men especially younger men it was allowable to have those kind of close physical relationships with another person of the same sex Mm -hmm. and even considered preferable to having a close physical relationship or a sexual relationship with someone of the opposite sex or gender right but that being said like in today's parlance like that reads as just heck a lesbian Yes, it it does. But I mean, knowing a little bit about literature at the time, I could see this. This is like straight up that that kind of sisterly love kind of totally. thing. Totally. Yeah. They're, yeah. They're they're like literally it's pure and innocent. Yeah. And it's just affectionate, and that's fine. Although, yeah, like I I don't know. Like it's it's so interesting to me that the bad thing that Laura does is 
engage in this sensuality, in this uh, like hedonistic indulgence. Um, but the way that she's saved is by literally physically kissing her sister's face. Her sin is with fruit and her savior is with literal physical contact of another human person. Hmm. Victorians, y'all. I don't know. <laughs> like, I, like, I don't know what that means, but I'm just like, whoo, that's some kind of repression. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Like I was saying earlier, there's this trope where I, f- I feel like a lot of a lot of female characters that we see even today, when they fall in love, it's with some kind of monstrous creature. Like, I always think of Twilight. And I think it, <laughs> hey, I think it represents, like, female fear of sexuality, having, like, a, being able to explore that. So it, it becomes this vampire or this werewolf that you're in love, but it's very dangerous. And um, it's almost not your fault because you're kind of seduced by it, like Eve yeah. in the garden. Oh, which is another good religious allegory. Oh, yeah. It's totally in there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, eating the fruit. Yeah, yeah. the fruit is literally a, uh, a sinful temptation. Yeah. But, but I mean, then again, we have, we have versions of both the, the succubus and incubus in various cultures. Uh, you know, the, essentially the same idea. There's the monstrous masculine or the monstrous feminine that you uh, have very little power to uh, overcome. Yeah. That being said, I guess the the goblins themselves don't sound very sexy, you know. They're, they're, <laughs> but their fruit is very their sexy. Fruit that is, is the thing. Yes. Yes. Well, I mean, that call. Would... Then again, it, it's also very quite literally fruity. It's like it reads like <laughs> uh, like maybe Rossetti was really hungry when she was writing this. Like <laughs> mm-hmm. she just gets into the fruit. I mean, there there's that sexual implication, but there's also just totally like fruit. It's like my God, that would taste good. Yeah, yeah. and it's a little bit pastoral. Uh, she she was writing. She didn't herself associate with the pre-Raphaelite movement. Movement, um, but she was definitely associated with it, and like her brother was into it, and uh, uh, you can see a lot of the same influences, I think, in her work. That sort of like like worship of the pastoral, um, and and even like a, a kind of halicon version of of what nature is and what nature has to present you, and uh, and those kind of medieval concepts of what it is to be. Uh, a good person. A good person isn't living in the city. A good person is out in the country and doing these things and mm. milking the cows and taking care of the poultry and uh, but somehow not being tempted by somehow not being tempted by the best. Well, the, the goblins are peddling like natural pleasures here, mm-hmm. uh, or at least, I mean, they, maybe they're not represented as such in in the poem, but I mean, if we're to actually say what are fruit, you know, fruit are the, the the splendors of the natural world, mm-hmm. right? And no matter what other kind of uh, you know symbolic power they end up uh, taking on. Themselves. But actually, they're not, aren't they? Are they because well, they're products yeah. of agriculture? Well, yes, that's true. <laughs> oh. Spe- especially the oranges. Ooh. I mean, you go pick wild fruit; most of the time, is mm-hmm. not very good. There you go. Yeah, yeah. This is this is <laughs> a warning against uh, contemporary uh, agribusiness. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, but some of the fruit that the, the goblins yeah. are, are peddling here, I think, are more natural than the others. I mean, those uh, what are those green gauges? Yeah, Th- those are named after a dude. I just looked it up on Wikipedia. <laughs> There's some guy named Gage. <laughs> Some guy named Gage out there. <laughs> He's got a whole fruit named after him. Heckin' Gage. I wanted to say also that I just, on a purely technical level, I thought this is a really good poem. This is, like, really pleasurable to read line oh, to yeah. line. It's got that um, – I really like the the irregular rhyme scheme and the varying line length. It kind of reminds me of um, 
stuff like you would see in the love song of J. Alfred Prufrock later, you know, where like Elliot uses the irregular rhyme scheme and varying line length, but then sometimes it gets very regular all of a sudden. Right, And yeah. then when it does, that sort of like, it like yanks you into the poem even deeper. It's, uh, yeah, it's good. It's really beautiful. Now, here's a question. Do you think the goblins have a version of this poem that is warning uh, impressionable young goblins not to sell fruit? To Lizzie's? To, to yeah. Lizzie's and don't, Laura's? Don't, no, no. I think it would say, like, yeah, look, they did a good job with Laura, but they really <laughs> screwed up with Lizzie. It's true. So here's the kind of Lizzie you need to watch out for. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> what yeah. about Jeannie? The tragedy of Jeannie? No, they oh. did good with Jeannie, yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. Jeannie, Jeannie and she Laura. She died alone. <laughs> unwed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's it's kind the, of the, that's the worst. That in this time for a lady, yes. These like dead women cautionary tales. It's just like don't be like old dead genie. Yeah, no one wants to be like old dead genie. Yeah, but no, no. I I like this idea of of the goblins being like, oh man. Watch out for those tight-lipped ones. Yeah. <laughs> Though I guess you could say it's probably just goblin uh, propaganda and goblins <laughs> propping right. themselves up. I mean, that's ultimately one of the things that I think speaks well to uh, uh, you know 2018 uh, uh, readers of this poem or listeners to this poem is that there are, w- without a doubt, there are some goblin men uh, in the world peddling their fruit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do think it's interesting how often food is used to represent indulgence or like temptation Uh, I just especially I guess because of things like the story of Eve and the Garden of Eden like the apple is always popping up and and things I'm reading is like it's forbidden forbidden (laughs) to partake in um yeah, the role of food in fairy tales is pretty fascinating. Though, fun fact, you know the Bible never says it's an apple. I yeah, that's right. It never yeah. says what kind of fruit it is. And so yep. there are all these arguments of religious scholars throughout the ages about what the fruit was. I think my favorite I've ever heard was that somebody said it was a lemon. Oh. <laughs> 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 Don't eat that incredibly tempting lemon. Yeah. I know you just want to yeah. eat it raw. The whole thing. <laughs> Another, yeah. fu- another fun fact. You know, the Bible never says it was the devil. It just says it's a snake. Yeah. Really? It's just a snake. Just a snake says, here's a fruit. It doesn't say what the fruit is. It doesn't say the snake's a devil. Huh. Yeah. We've talked a lot on the show about, like, people thought it was a banana. They think it's a fig. They thought it was – it's come up several times. Most of the fruits, a pomegranate, most of the fruits that we've talked about at some point, someone was like, probably that's what the Bible was talking about right. in the story. Mm-hmm. It was a green gauge. It was a good <laughs> Even though Gage wasn't around yet, right, he, he's yeah. just like a before his time. <laughs> <laughs> Some kind of time traveling going on there. Well, no, yeah. no. It's Adam and Eve and Gage in the garden. <laughs> oh, yeah. I yeah. almost forget about Gage. <laughs> Now, what I would love to see is to have some sort of like a fruit gummy tie-in to this poem Ooh. where they're shaped like goblins. And each one, <laughs> it, you have one for e- flavor for each of the, the, the fruits that are mentioned here. I think we need to call Jelly Belly. Yeah. I think that's oh, the Jelly only... Belly would, would be great at this. Get them on the line. Yeah. <laughs> Who's Jelly, got their number? <laughs> Jelly Belly, if you're listening. We're here and we've got ideas. <laughs> or have a goblin market uh, fruit juice establishment. <laughs> I, I did notice when I uh, initially looked up Goblin Market uh, on my browser, uh, I uh, the the number one hit was uh, a, a, a restaurant in Florida. So Ooh. called Goblin Market. Yeah, called oh. uh, Goblin Market. The Goblin oh. Market. Yeah. Wow. A sandwich so they, shop. They, they force food in your face. <laughs> I think it's just yeah, like, sexy goblins selling grab your sandwiches. Hair, yeah. Stomp yeah. on you and cram fruit in your mouth. Yeah. yeah. Pin, pinchy black. That's yeah. what I want. That's. <laughs> yeah. Figs to fill your mouth. <laughs> 
<laughs> goblin pulp and goblin juice. <laughs> and you can always find Robert and Joe on uh, Stuff to Blow Your Mind, um, another How Stuff Works podcast. Uh-huh. Yeah. Thanks. And occasionally we talk about foods and goblin as uh, goblins as well. So Yeah. Yeah. Yes, I'm getting that. <laughs> I think everyone is getting yeah. that idea. <laughs> well, thanks so much for inviting us on. We've yeah. had a great time. Yeah, this is tremendous. Well, that was fun. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> it was fun. Um, we would love to do it again, especially for Halloween. But um, if if you listeners have suggestions, particularly helpful if they're in the public domain. Oh, Yes. Yes. Um, we're already kind of working on a second episode because we, we were collecting some and we were going to include more than one in in this episode, but this one was already, like, pretty hefty enough. Yeah, it's so long that we didn't want to, yeah, we, we could have gone on for another, like, hour at least, but we yeah. figured that, we figured we'd just concentrate on this one for today. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because there's so many, like, uh, like Hans Christian Andersen stories that are great for that sort of thing. Yeah. So please send in any suggestions you have mm-hmm. for those. And speaking of sending things in, it's, it's time, time for, for listener mail. Ooh. All right. Yeah. I was thinking about Robert's goblin voice, and then I was like, I can't do that. <laughs> and that's the result was kind of a whispery wind. It was. It was. It, yeah. it, was, either, it was either that or like a like a calm surf. <laughs> a calm surf coming up to uh, coming up to a beach. Yeah, one of those things. Sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so our first letter is from Carly. Carly wrote, I'm catching up on my podcast and just listened to your Willy Wonka episode. I have a story, although it doesn't involve food, other than the fact it was present in the building at the time. <laughs> I had been invited to tag along at a house party of a local celebrity in Tourist Trap, USA, on the same weekend that a local comic convention was having a Willy Wonka reunion with various actors of the Gene Wilder film. Many of the famous guests were also in attendance of this party, although I was somewhat clueless. The host was a huge fan of many things and decorated his home extremely whimsically, <laughs> as evidenced by his bathroom. One of the guests in attendance had been an Oompa Loompa with a few prominent lines, and when shown this bathroom, exclaimed in a very British accent, Oh, f- a sentiment felt by all. <laughs> When the light switch was flipped on, the room filled with bubbles and the voice of Mr. Wilder singing Pure Imagination. The walls were covered in a Wonka-esque fruit motif wallpaper, and every every fixture was adorned by brightly colored baubles and pom-poms. There were Willy Wonka accessories everywhere. I can't even begin to tell you what all was crammed into this previously normal, small, three-piece bathroom. It was wondrous. Wow. Mm-hmm. It sounds like quite the party. It does. That sounds great. I need to up my fantasy party game. Apparently, yeah i i don't I don't have Gene Wilder singing in any rooms of my house. What? Not not automatically, anyway. <laughs> what are we even doing? I Lauren? know. Oh, I'm rethinking a number of things. Is what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. John, or Sergeant Mack, wrote, Having lived in Virginia most of my life and experiencing many hurricanes, I find that peanut butter and jelly sandwiches are the unsung heroes of emergency foods. Everyone has the makings in their home. They can be bought almost anywhere, including gas stations. They are filling and kind of nourishing. The ingredients are portable and need no refrigeration nor water, and anyone can make them. 
When you're back at work after six days without power, that is what the people are eating. All hail peanut butter. All hail peanut butter indeed. All hail. All hail. If, if I were to fall, succumb to a cult, I'm sure peanut butter would be involved. Oh, my goodness. It certainly <laughs> would. Not that I'm planning that. But, you know, yeah. now that you mention it, yeah, it's a great plan. It's just like a dummy made of peanut butter jars. <laughs> I'm giving you ideas. Why am I doing this? I don't know. Oh, geez. I couldn't tell you. All right. Well... Thanks to both of them for writing in. You too can write us. Our email is foodstuff at howstuffworks.com. We're also on social media. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at foodstuffhsw, stands for howstuffworks, or on Instagram at foodstuff. We do hope to hear from you. Thank you, as always, to our super producer, Dylan K. Fagan, who who extra super produced this episode, all of that wonderful uh, thematic stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Noise stuff. Audio stuff. <laughs> Emotions. That's yes, him. That was him. That was him. Thank you, Dylan. Um, thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressings, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like when the tailgate party shows up at your house after the big win. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this could sideline your savings. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Ready to unlock a world of entertainment? Philips Roku TV has America's favorite TV streaming platform built in. So you can watch live TV, catch every game, discover must-see shows and hit movies, and get all the best streaming apps in one place, like iHeart, for all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts. Watch what you want, when you want. Immerse yourself in entertainment with premium 4K picture and sound for every budget, with sizes for every room. Find your perfect Philips Roku TV today, online or at your local Walmart and Sam's Club. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast.